0: Psalm 96.13 For he is coming, and he is coming to judge the earth. He shall judge the world with righteousness, and the people with his truth. Well, happy 2023, connected peeps. I'm sick, so I don't sound great. I don't feel bad, but I don't sound great. And my ears are blocked, so... I may be yelling at you, <laughs> but I can't tell. Hope you've all been well. I have been on a bit of a break on a. <laughs> okay, don't don't be throwing little jabs at me because I haven't been recording for a while. Because you'd be like, yes, yeah, I've been on a break for ages. Let me clarify that. I've just come back from holidays, so my family went up to Cairns. Um, And honestly, all I could think of, well, actually, not not all I could think of, but I was constantly thinking about coming back and recording an episode and catching up with you. Uh, So I have, yeah, I've been really wanting to just get back so that I could um, record an episode. So today I wanted to talk about, okay, so I'm thinking of calling this the liberal God, but only because... Most people would understand what I mean by that. But for those who know, I'm not into these labels of liberal and conservative. I am into committed Christian and other-centered Christian as um, titles that I prefer better represent. Well, I think we often try and express when we say that's a conservative Adventist and that's a liberal Adventist. But <clears throat> I'm just going to call it liberal God just because I think everyone will understand what that means. But I guess what I mean by those terms, liberal, um, is a more accommodating, and I'm going to say God, but when I use the terms um, other-centred Christian and conservative Christian, uh, with the other-centred Christian, I mean someone who's more accommodating, someone who is more (coughs) discerning about where a person is on their walk and being more empathetic about, hey, you know what, this is probably where this person is at and for them, maybe a very simple commitment um, in their faith journey right now, this next step um, is probably a really big accomplishment rather than, hey, you need to burn all your DVDs and uh, throw out all your clothes and clean out your fridge and kind of um, setting the bar real high for someone when they're just coming into the faith, which I would kind of say that that might be more of the committed Adventist uh, approach in some ways. But when I use those two terms, um, they're... Their strength is also their weakness. So um, I'm not going to go into that too much because that's not what I want this whole episode to be. But um, I've been, as a parent, and maybe as a parent who really doesn't want to stuff up with their kids. As a parent who's really aware of, I get one go at this. And I know in myself... There are clearly some things that I'm like, okay, Catalina, that's not the mother that you want to be. Um, I really want to change that or I'm actively aware of these things. Therefore, I kind of don't need any help in trying to determine whether this particular way of parenting is good or not. Like, I just know it's not good. (laughs) Sorry. Um... And then there are other things where I'm like, I just don't know. Like, I'm like, oh, let's try and see what – how the girls respond to this and see how that approach works. And I'm finding myself in these teenage years with the girls, we're having discussions about things that are much bigger than, oh, I want the big Lego, not the little Lego or – Things that just are going to have a greater impact on the girls' character formation, on the decisions that they're going to make for their faith. And then ultimately, I feel there are some decisions that I feel are giving me a little bit of a glimpse of what the girls potentially (laughs) are going to do with their lives as adults who no longer have a parent um, kind of nudging them in the direction that their parent wants them to go. And that has been really, really um, scary because as much as I want the girls to make certain decisions and I guess I look at it and I'm like, Yes, like if you take this step in this direction, you know, two kilometers two kilometers down the track, I know where this kind of decision is going to have you when you're 20, when you're 30. So I'm constantly wanting to nudge them that way. And trust me, I do. Like <laughs> there are certain things that I'm like, no, like I cannot let go of this just yet. So there are things where I I do that. And certain, um, you know, crossroads. I'm very good at um turning the indicator on for the girls. <laughs> so they know they are going left or right. And then there's other ones where I feel like I need to let go. And when I let go, honestly, it also gives me insights to where our daughters are. Um. So there are situations where I will see they are completely making decisions one day that they know are completely against what we desire for them, like it's very clear. So if I was to tell you, um, <clears throat> I just have petty examples to give you, and I don't really want to give you petty examples, but okay. So devices, that's probably a real, quite a serious one for me because I'm one of those parents who doesn't want my girls on devices and I don't want them to have a phone. And I just know enough of the psychological impact of technology and social media and notifications and all that kind of stuff that I I personally do not want to put my children into that place. Like if I see my kids are struggling with like chewing gum, to show self-control and be able to discern and to be mature about like (laughs) bubblegum I'm like girl you cannot handle a device like so anyway so they're allowed to use my laptop to check their emails and if they need to search things or whatever but the rule is just ask me first ask me first then I will let you know whether you need to be on a computer or you need to be on a phone. Now, I know there is one of my daughters that has a much more um impulsive need to just touch a phone, okay? So it's not even like I need, can I just check something? No, it's like she'll she'll grab my phone and check the time and my phone is right next to a clock and I'll be like, Did you need to check the time? Because there's a clock. Literally, just look up and the clock is right there. Anyway, so I'm very aware of that. So as we've been doing little trial periods of trying to have less restrictions and um, giving them more access and trusting them more, I can see that there is like very little... um, maturity around how to work through that interaction with the device and so I'm like okay I can see where you're right I can see you clearly are nowhere near getting less and less restrictions you're definitely not in a place where I can be like you know what you're checking some and you don't even ask me like if I could see that there was this oh I just need to check this for an assignment yeah go for it But there's like, I just need to check like what the weather's going to be in two weeks time because there's going to be something on or what I'm like, really? Like, anyway, um, so yeah, so there's situations where I step back and then it gives me a good overview of what's going on and where they're at with that particular thing or with that particular part of their character development. Like if I can tell self-control is not there, I'm like, okay, cool good to know. Sorry, I'm just going to blow my nose. The one thing I've done with my parenting, and I have done this from the moment I became a parent, I have asked other parents for counsel. And it can be parents that I feel are doing everything really well, and parents that I feel are just doing one thing really well, and so I I seek their advice in that particular area. um, sometimes I don't even care where you're at with your kids. And uh, even if I don't really know where your parenting style is at and how that's working for you, I'll still just ask questions. Like I'm, I'm always, I've always been the type of person, like if I don't know, just let me ask questions. Um, so I tend to speak with a lot of parents. <clears throat> I will speak with parents that are at my age, like are at the same age development of our children and those that are above that are ahead of me. So that I can kind of compare notes between the parents that have kids that are my age and then with parents that their kids are older and see if the parents that are got kids my age are giving me advice that's contrary to the parents that have been before us. Yeah I'm gonna be I'm gonna be taking the other parents' advice a bit more. Um <laughs> And then there's parents that I've never been able to speak to, but I've just seen their kids. I've I've observed where their children are at. And I've kind of like tried to get into their mind and be like, okay, this is maybe how they would have done it or how I think they did this or whatever. And so I just randomly will try and work out how they did, how they got what they got. And lately because I will say I'm probably, I hope, I pray to God that I'm more of a balanced person and a balanced parent. But I feel there are certain things now with the girls getting older and me choosing to step back to let them make decisions and make mistakes. I feel I'm probably falling more into the other-centered parenting or the liberal parenting. And so I've been watching probably more closely parents that I would say are more other centred and when I look at them and I look at their kids and it's like a 50 50 between their children having strong faiths being really active still being present at their church showing you know being in leadership positions and then there's like a 50 the other half that's kind of like as we would say they've gone off the tracks you know they've Gone really worldly and you know, whatever and and so I'm kinda of sitting with my daughters and I'm praying and I talk to God, I'm like, oh like which half of my girls gonna be in and what is gonna determine that? And how can I avoid them being in the fifty percent that went off the tracks? And so I've been wrestling with that quite a bit recently. And there was a, and I have to get, I was listening to a podcast, and I don't know, I've just listened to the podcast, and I was so consumed by the information that I didn't even pay attention to who the psychologist was, but the psychologist basically said, and was talking about parenting styles and attachment styles, and he was basically saying that they found a really strong correlation between what we as Christians would call conservative, no, sorry, not conservative, liberal parents, other-centered parents who take their children's, you know, perspective into consideration and they're, you know, they're quite, quite aware of where their children are at and parent um, accordingly. And parents that have completely neglected their children. So the comparison here is between um, ...neglectful parents, and then parents that were more liberal, whatever. Um, <clears throat> and he, in his research, he has found that it's almost basically the same percentage of kids that go off the tracks... ...that came from neglected. It wasn't so much abusive, so there was a big difference between it being an abusive parent and neglectful parent, which, you know, uh, neglect is a form of abuse as well. But in terms of us looking at um, what we would classify as abuse as a parent who was physically, emotionally um, and mentally abusive to a child, whether that was um, through physical discipline or um, neglect can fall under that. But neglect is much more um, this idea of disassociating with your child So you can be a great parent in providing for your kid, making sure they have what they want. You can even be a parent who's constantly gifting your kids um, and still be neglectful. And that neglect comes into the level of consideration that is taken um, on the child's emotional needs, how much you're present as the As a caregiver as um someone who helps to nurture and create safety, someone who's there for um emotional regulation and who's there to provide for the child's emotional needs, so you can be a parent who <clears throat> puts their, their kids into the greater school um gives them food, clean clothes, a beautiful house, you can even be clean like you can even be like, a normal parent, you could say, and still be neglectful uh, because you're disassociating to your children's emotional needs um, and creating, like, a very um, distant attachment to your child. So that is classified as neglect. So the comparison with this particular psychologist was neglect and... um, liberal parenting parents who basically were super supportive always there for the kids and what he found is I was like oh wow this is so I was like just mind-blowing to be honest I was like I had to stop and pause it and just kind of sit and really reflect on what I just heard he said that you will find with parents who are more liberal Um, and more accommodating to their children, you will find that those children, because their parents um, provide such a level of unconditional love, and I use this, you know, I kind of have to define it a a little bit, but provide unconditional love in that the children knew no matter what they did, their parents always loved them and their parents would always be there for them you could be an absolute thug like the kid could go and rob a bank and they knew that their parent would welcome them in would help them get out of whatever they had to get out of or be a support like honestly it felt like from the way that this um psychologist described it be the perfect parent and he's finding a correlation between these kids going off the tracks just as much as neglected kids (coughs) and the reason he said this was so was because there comes a point in the human development of autonomy and independence that you know you can go and do the worst things possible but your parents love you so much and are so accepting of you that you can come back and they'll be there for you just as much as if you hadn't have done what you did. And as I thought about that, I was like, oh, wow. Like, I started kind of looking at, you know, parents and children that, you know, I would say, I'm like, man, what happened to these kids? Like, how could they have, like, forsaken such a core value, such a foundational family value, in turning their back on their faith. Some turning their back on their faith and saying, you know what, I don't even believe in this anymore. Others, oh, I still believe in God. I'm just going to live my own religion, do my own faith, have my own walk. And that walk was very contradictory to the principles of the Bible. Let's not even say the principles of Adventism because they're – Adventist principles are, are biblical principles. <clears throat> and as I kind of looked, once I got that information from the psychologist and the research that he's doing, and then when I kind of like looked at these particular families where I was like, oh, wow, like that makes so much sense. You can love your child in such an unconditional way but some, not all, because if I if I'm totally honest, there are families that I would classify as being other centred aka liberal. Um and their kids still walking really faithfully with God and um they have like a sincere, sincere faith for and follow Jesus and um so not everyone goes off the track, so don't get me wrong. Like I'm not trying to say you have to be like a horrible parent or something. Um <clears throat> But it just made sense. It made sense and I saw that. And then I kind of – um. sorry, i got sinus coming out of my ears. Hold on. Excuse me. Let me blow my nose again. Okay, I had a nice sinus flush. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, so it just made more sense about these particular – families and these particular children who you kind of like man what happened like and again this is based on my own like human sinful judgment so these kids as much as they may look like they're off the tracks unless I've sat down with them like I obviously don't know a lot um and I don't know what has caused them to to be where I perceive and I judge as them being off the track so take that for all it's worth but all I could think of was like I'm like yes <clears throat> I can so see that happening. We get to a point where we can even see God as so unconditional about his love that we're like you know what God let me come back to you in another 30 years after I've lived my <clears throat> lived my best life in sin doing what I want. <clears throat> not having to deal with the conviction of the Holy Spirit, having been able to numb out my conscience to the point where I can honestly live out the deepest desires of my heart, and then I'll come back because I know you'll be there. And that to me was like, whoa. I was just... It scared me, to be honest. Like when I looked at, and the story that comes to mind is the story of the prodigal son. <clears throat> that guy literally knew. He literally knew. When he was eating with the pigs, he's like, you know what? My dad feeds, feeds his servants better than this. I can go back and be a servant And I'll still be happier than what I am right now. That guy, the prodigal son, knew the character of his father so well. That even after he had asked for his inheritance in advance. Even after he'd gone and lived a life. He'd gone and lived his best life. In sin. Like, whatever that is. And I don't want to point out the prodigal sins. Because it's easy to say, oh, but you know... I'm not living with God right now and and I'm not living the prodigal life. Like I'm not sleeping around and I'm not partying and getting drunk and um, getting high on drugs every weekend and, you know, wasting all my money. No, I'm actually still, you know, if people didn't know, I'm still pretty Christian. Like I go to work, I save my money, I go on holidays, I take my wife out to dinner, I take my kids out or whatever that looks like to you. You know, I I don't go out with the uni kids to those parties and to those clubs. I stay home on a Friday night and read my Bible or I stay home and, you know, just watch whatever, Mr. Beast or, you know, whatever. However it is that we justify our prodigal experience because we know we're walking away from God. We know we're putting God to one side for a little bit. Well, we do us. But but is it because we're falling onto this safety net of I'm gonna go live my best life, whatever that looks like. And I say my best life because I think there are there are moments and I know it has happened to me where I'm like, you know what, my best life without Jesus Yeah, it, it's kinda kinda tempting. I kinda right now where I am with my walk, I do wanna live my life doing things my way and not having to deal with my conscience and I just want to be in sin and I just want to be in rebellion and I just want to have independence and autonomy and to make my decisions without having to worry like how does that sit with my my salvation like I just I want to do do me and so I say my best life in that way however let me tell you from what I have learned in my many years of wisdom in this christian journey my best life is going to leave you exactly where the prodigal was i guarantee you you are going to be eating with the pigs and whatever that looks like for you and what your journey of your best life looks like trust me you're going to end up with the pigs yeah, that, that's all I can say. Trust me, you're going to end up with the pigs and it's going to be painful, painful. And it might not look like that now. No, I just have to blow my nose again. It might not look like now. You might be a real high-functioning prodigal right now. Life's sweet. Everything is just going well. And you've gotten to the place where it's like, you know what, like, this is so sweet. No wonder, like, I'm taking this path. Like, I really didn't need the Christian thing. I really didn't need the faith thing. I really didn't need the feeling the judgment and feeling convicted and feeling uncomfortable. And um. if you felt guilt, the guilt of not being able to live my life and, No matter what your life looks like right now, whether you're putting God on pause for a little bit or stepping aside from your faith for a little bit, because you're questioning it. Now, there's a difference, I believe, in stepping back from church and stepping back from roles and maybe even just taking some time just for you, maybe stepping back from going to church. There's a difference between stepping back to strengthen your faith, stepping back with a deep longing and desire for something richer in your spiritual walk and stepping back because you just want to do you. So I'm talking about stepping back because you want to do you, you just want to make your own decisions without having to worry about how that sits with God. That's the stepping back that I'm talking about. And there's a real danger in knowing that God is so loving to the point that you can go and sin and and turn your back on him because you know you can turn back around whenever you want. And the reason why I'm coming to understand that there's a danger to that is because in failing to trust God's guidance, in failing to understand what God really has for you, And understanding what his counsels, what his word, and what his commandments have for us. We are going to fall for a trap where we don't trust God to guide us and protect us. But we trust God that he will be there after we have made decisions that are seriously going to affect us for the rest of our lives. They're going to impact how we see the rest of our life because we failed to trust God's goodness. And I think there's a difference in trusting God's goodness and trusting that he's just always going to be there. He'll always take us back. (laughs) There are situations where I have been, where I have clearly said to my girls, I'm like, I can't think of a specific example, but um, I don't know. Okay. <clears throat> and this is probably because I'm not perfect, but you know, we can work on it. and no, I'm just shaky. So there's situations, let's say, I'm going to give you this random example. Well I'll say to the girls, um, we can't go to the shops today because they close at five. Whatever. And they'll be like, No mum, but I'm pretty sure they close at five thirty. I'm like, no, today they close at five. They usually close on five thir uh, five thirty, Monday to Tuesday, but then Wednesday, Thursday, Fridays they close at five. And there'll be one of my girls who will look at me and it'll be like, No mum. They close at five thirty. I remember seeing the sign and it was five thirty. I'm like, yes, the sign does say 5.30, but it's Monday to Tuesday. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, they close at 5. And like she'll still look at me like, no, nah, don't trust you. And so we'll continue because I'm like, and this is a moment like I will take that because I'm like, okay, I want to see where she's at. And I want to see where she's at in terms of how much she trusts me. And so I will continue with the, the conversation. And until she gets to the point where she's like, I need to check for myself. And every time that we've had situations similar to this, like it's not all like like that, but it's all usually similar. There's no, there's nothing that she's like fully invested in. It's not something that she's like super passionate about that she's like, but no, like I really need to know, like I'm sure they close at five times. Five thirty, like it's nothing where like there's a deep longing in her heart for the shop to be opened at five thirty. it's literally about who's right and when I have these conversations and when I have these interactions with her and sometimes it happens with my other daughter as well but there's one one of them that it just happens way more than the other and so every time I have these conversations like in my head I'm literally like God, she doesn't trust me. And it's not because I'm trying to take something away from her. It might be purely like um, the other child, like the the other daughter might be wanting to go buy something, whatever. And I'm like, oh, look, no, it's closed. But the other daughter, she's so invested in that she's right and that we should go because she's right. I pray to God, I'm like, God, please harness this desire for truth. Harness this desire to be right. Please help it to always be used for her spiritual growth, for her spiritual development, and for strengthening other people's faith. Like, Please give this desire to be right and to be correct and to prove me wrong. Please help her to use that for you. And honestly, we will get to a situation where unless she literally checks the phone and Googles what time that particular shop closes, that we do – the conversation doesn't finish. I'm like, what on earth? And in the Christian walk, having that kind of spirit of needing to test God out to make the mistake – To walk in sin before you realize that sin kills. And that every sin has a consequence. Like that's a dangerous path to take. In your character development, that's a dangerous path to walk. Because that means that the only way that you will learn to trust God is by making mistakes There are going to be mistakes that you're going to make in your life that you wish you didn't make. There are going to be mistakes in your life that are going to take you through such darkness that you're even going to lose hope in God. You're going to lose hope that things are going to get better because you needed to check for yourself that it was true. And that's that's a really dangerous, painful path to take. And so in this idea of like this unconditional love of God that I can walk away from God and come back when I'm going to have kids or come back when I marry like a savvy boy or when I marry a savvy girl, you just don't know. You just don't know. We were just at a baptism of a gentleman at church who walked away from God for 35 years before he turned back and he said i wish i had done it years ago and then he like was like you know what i wish i'd never had a walked away from god and i know that gentleman's journey and he has a lot of scars he has experienced incredible amounts of pain and when he says I wish I had a turn back earlier. It was because I wish I hadn't have made a decision that I knew was against God's will for my life and had to go through that experience. And when he says, I wish I had have never left God, I know why. Because from the moment he walked away from God, he started making decisions that left an impact on his life and the trajectory of where he went and the intensity of heartache that he experienced increased proportionately as he turned away from God. And yeah, like that's that's not the the place we want to be. At the end of the day, like every sin will have a consequence. I guarantee you, regardless of how big or small your sin is, regardless of how it started as a little sin and then ended up in a sin where you were like, What on earth am I doing here? Whatever your sin looked like or whatever your journey or your break from God or your break from church, your break from religion, whatever that that has looked like for you, there is going to be a part where you are going to make decisions and compromises on your faith and on your convictions and your values that you never thought you would have when you made the decision to take a break. I can guarantee you that that's going to happen. And it might be subtle, and I don't mean like, you know, you're going to be going from whatever, like living a typical cookie-cutter Adventist experience to then, you know, cooking drugs and getting high and sleeping around and stealing and whatever your life might just look like you're just gonna function every day go to work still be a decent human still be still have morals still have values but there are going to be areas in your walk where you're going to be like yeah and I won't do this and then three months later you're like having the the mental dialogue with yourself about How, you know what, it's not that bad if you do do that thing that you said you weren't going to do three months ago. You're going to be having those conversations and you're going to be putting yourself in those positions. So yes, as I kind of reflected on that whole idea of um, the liberal parenting and um, the liberal God. His goodness and his unconditional love was never there for us to think that we'll walk away and we'll come back. The reason why he was there, I believe, to give that other-centred love and to be so unconditional about accepting you when you're ready was so that you never feared turning back. That turning back to God was always an open door, was always an invitation that was always there for you. His goodness was for that, that when you did decide to come back, there would never be a question of doubt that he was waiting for you, like the prodigal father at the window. He's been watching and waiting for you to come. And when you do come, he doesn't even wait for you to get to him. He races back to you and embraces you and says, I've been waiting for you all this time. That liberal parenting is for that. It's for you to know that you can come back whenever you're ready and it'll be as though nothing had happened in the way that he relates to you. Nothing will change. It was unconditional. It was the same. His love and his desire to be with you and to walk with you and to do life with you would be the same as it was before you left, as when you come back. And I think that's that's what um, I'm really starting to learn. And I think with my opening verse about God's judgment, we have to also have that in the back of our mind. God is a God that judges. As much as we know His unconditional love and he's always welcoming and there are gonna be decisions that we have made that when ju- when God sits and judges those decisions, he's gonna say, yeah, that was like straight out rebellion. That was you completely following your heart and desiring to do evil and wickedness. And so he does judge that. And we have to be aware of that and we have to be aware of the impact of what those decisions make. I know that there are gonna be many Christians who lived the prodigal life and died in the pig pen. They never made the decision to come back to God. And because of that, we have to be really aware that whatever our journey looks like, whenever we say we're gonna come back to God, we don't know what that's gonna be like. What could have started as like a three month break can end up being 35 years. And for some people, they never came back to God. And is that really a path that we want to take? Like, do we want to have a Russian roulette prodigal experience where we never made a decision to go back? We actually still, in our walk with God, maybe because we didn't know God's character well enough, Or maybe because of the Christians that we knew. We actually decide that the pig pig pen is still better than being with my dad. The pig pen is still better than going back to the father. There are many people who are still choosing to stay in the pig pen. In the pain of the brokenness that they experience. Because they didn't know the father well enough. So where are you at? Where am I at? And I know I've decided that even in the moments of weakness, even in the moments of when I'm like, you know what, like different temptations come to me and different things kind of trigger different responses from me on a spiritual level, even then I remind myself I've been in the pit of sin. I know what that looks like. And I knew how deep that pit could get that I was like, I'd rather not. I'd rather settle for a mediocre experience, a spiritual experience where it's not rich. It might not be like, might not be as invigorating and as vibrant as I would like my spiritual experience to be, but I know that what the devil and sin has to offer is going to be even more unsatisfying. Like, the dissatisfaction that I'm going to experience without God is going to be much deeper than any dissatisfaction that I experience in my spiritual walk, and I'm not, I'm not willing to take that path. I'm not willing to do that because I know that with sin will always come pain. Following God, even when you're not 100% invested in Him, is still going to give protection and safety. And some of the essentials for like a thriving um, life experience, protection, safety, security, they're like foundational essentials for just a holistic, emotional, mental development. When I take that out and fall into the uncertainty and the unpredictability of sin, you're setting yourself up for some really, really challenging times. Um, Okay, so I want to finish on that. So recap on what I've learned with regards to that is hey in being such an unconditional parent in providing so much safety for your parents for your for your children and security and letting them know that no matter what happens they can come back to you there is a small amount of danger in that because your child then knows they can do whatever they want and nothing can happen and so I'm trying to balance that out with trying to get the girls to understand hey there still is a consequence to your choice and whether the consequence comes through me or whether the consequence comes through your decision and how that's going to impact your life, every decision that you make to rebel and to do wrong and to follow your heart and be sinful will have a judgment, will have a consequence, will have an impact. The other day, random, we were talking about I don't know, how we got on the conversation and um, anyway, Obviously, I can't even remember what the conversation was about because I kind of blanked out after Chloe made her comment. Chloe says to me, she's like, yeah, if I ever got pregnant, as in now, like quite young, she's like, I know you would kick me out. And I, it broke my heart because I'm like, how could you even have thought that I would do that? Like I was like, wow, with my with my daughters we have conversations about everything and anything and trust me some parents probably think that that's not good but this is where we're at with the way that god has led us in, in how we parent um our girls and so we've had conversations about everything and anything and i don't know how in all those conversations of us talking and we've never talked about the girls if you would have a baby out of marriage or if you were to have sex out of marriage like we've never had those conversations and i guess that's probably where she perceived that that's um, the decision that we would take, but when she said that to me, and she's like, you would kick me out if I had a baby, I was like, wow, I don't know how we have made you even have that perception of us, and so I'm like, baby, no way, I would never kick you out, I'm like... <laughs> I would help you in everything that you needed. Like, I would take care of, like, our grandchild with you. Like, no way. I wanted her to really understand. Like, no, like, that would not kick you out. But then in that same moment, in in laying down that unconditional love that I have for her, I then was like, but baby, just remember, like, if, if you were to get pregnant, if the boyfriend that you had doesn't want to be the dad... <clears throat> Do you realize your daughter's your child, it won't have a dad? And we don't know how present the dad would be. And you'd be on your own. <coughs> as a parent, like I was like, let me lay down the judgment that comes with that decision. I really felt heavily impressed that I need to balance out the love and the nurture and everything that I can provide as a parent But I'm at a place now with the psychologist and with the idea of the prodigal son and the idea that, you know what? God does place judgment on us. There is blessings and curses. And so I was like, but just think about what your life would look like. And we sat there and we thought about what her life would look like as a single parent, as a teenage parent. And yeah, I wanted that to sit with her. I wanted that to sit with her just as much as no, like we would make a room for you and we would have a nursery for your baby and I would work however I needed so that we could work around to support you and if you're still at school like you know I would prioritize looking after your baby and you going to school like we laid down the pros and cons of a sinful decision rather than making sure to cater for Chloe knowing that she has safety, that she will have she can rely on us, she'll have support, will be there for her. I yeah. And I think that's 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 the sweet spot. Don't underestimate the impact that sin has while also making sure to provide that safety around that sin and around um the decisions okay so that was a lot I had to say I'll talk to you next week so we are back to weekly recordings and I am putting that out (laughs) so that I have to commit to it um don't know when that will happen but I am planning on yes I have a lot on this year and in different ways so I need to be much more organized in my time because there's a lot of things that I have to get done this year and the only way to do that is to be a little bit more structured and have a bit more routine. So I'm hoping to that it will be on a regular day, but until I get my days all sorted out and um, I get all the feedback and extra information from all the other people that need stuff, um, I kind of can't lock in the podcast because that's probably the one that's more flexible. Okay. So until next week, my prayer, my hope, and my desire, that you stay warm in God's love, that you stay cool for Jesus' name, and may the Holy Spirit continue to guide you so that you can be a balanced Christian, a balanced parent, but above all things, I pray that the Holy Spirit can guide you to see God as the balanced God that he is, um, a God that is always welcoming. He's waiting for you, just like he was waiting for the prodigal. But at the same time, please remember that every sin has a consequence. Um, and even the prodigal son had to go through unnecessary heartache because he wanted, he wanted things his way. Um, and he didn't trust the father enough. Okay. Ciao for now. I'll chat to you next week. Bye.